Let's, let's pray together. Can you pray with me? Lord, we want to stop right now and ask for your help. Lord, I pray for our community right now. I pray for the family of this young lady who who died in our community, and I pray that you would help us love them and minister to their friends and family. And I pray, Father, for our students as they go to school from Owasso, or those Owasso students. I pray that you would help them as they go to school tomorrow and our teachers and our administrators. Help them navigate this challenging time. Lord, I pray for our administrators, our, our police in our, in our town. You would help them. Father, I pray that you would help us as we engage the world here in this spotlight. That we would be faithful to, to your word. That we would be patient with even those that don't agree with us, that we would have, a, have patience, Lord. We know that your patience led us to repentance. And I pray that we would be a, an influence in this community as we serve this place, people in this place. It is such an interesting time that you've called us to live but we recognize that you've called us to these moments, these days. So I pray that your word would continue to be a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. I pray that we would be submissive to your voice, your spirit. We'd be led by you. I pray that we would be an encouragement and a in the right kind of example tomorrow and today. And I, I thank you that we can call on you when we need help. And Lord, this is a time we need help as we navigate this spotlight, as we navigate these challenging issues that are before us in our culture. And I pray that, Lord, we would stand on your promises and we would be a grateful people because, Lord, you saved us and we didn't deserve it. You have forgiven us. And you've shown us grace and mercy. And I pray that we would never forget that. And that we would really be mindful of the depths of the forgiveness that you brought to us. I thank you for allowing us to be in John chapter 3 today and I pray that you would speak to us. And I pray that today would be a day you move our church to pray. I love you, Jesus. Would you speak to somebody watching today and somebody in the room today? Would you open eyes and open hearts? And I pray that we would see a new birth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for praying. You know, uh, Keith mentioned this mission trip that's coming up. And uh, if you, you guys, if you are wanting to grow in your walk with the Lord, there's not a better way to, 
to uh, kind of uh, inject spiritual growth into your life and go on a mission trip. And, and we're praying for nine guys to go with Darby. And, and uh, I was at Everlasting Church on Sunday, and I got to see those two baptisms that we watched uh, today. And it was really cool to be there. And, and you know, we, my wife and I went on a little uh, trip to New York City. And, uh, and, you know, it's fascinating to be in New York City. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's an interesting place. Um, uh, you know, walking through Times Square, uh, we stayed right off Times Square, and it was interesting because uh, you, you can't help but feel the reality of your difference as a follower of Jesus. You, you know, in Times Square is the best the world has to offer. It's the, the best of the world. And yet here we are in a humongous crowd, and you can recognize the aloneness of the world. Like, like it's, it's the, the emptiness of the best the world has to offer. You can't help but recognize that as a follower of Jesus, as somebody that, that allows God's word to shape the way we think and shape the way we live. And this is the truth of our church. This is who we, who we are. We are a people that have allowed God's word to stand regardless of the pressures regardless of the, of the push to update the Bible. We've allowed God's word. We, we, we are just a people that accept God and taking him at his word. And we, we are a people that have allowed, that, that we, we have surrendered to the voice of the Lord and his word shapes the way we think and shapes the way we live. And, and, and you know, this is evident when we were walking around New York City. It's evident today in our city where we live. Let's not forget that the majority of the people in the world, in our world, don't know what it's like to be forgiven. And and God has called us as followers of him to influence the world. And it was cool last week, uh, we were on the subway and, and, um, and I meet this guy from, from the Bronx. I was like, cool, man, we're going to a church on Sunday. You ought to come. And it was so fun to invite this guy to the Bronx. So gentlemen, Nine of you, you ought to go on this mystery. You get to go to a Yankees game. How cool is that? That's pretty cool. Um, but we're doing a men's outreach, and, and I'd love for you to go. I challenge you to go. But, but if you have your Bibles, turn to John 3, because you're seeing this moment that Jesus influenced a leader. And, I, and it's interesting as you um, recognize the, the transfer of the gospel. It came one one relationship at a time, one conversation at a time, one leader at a time. And when you think about the, the influence of Jesus, he uh, influenced the uneducated like Peter and John. Those were interesting men, talented men, uh, men's men. They were fishermen, uh, but, but yet they were uneducated. And Jesus inspired the uneducated. But you know, Jesus also inspired the greatest thinkers of his day, and in all, all honesty, the greatest thinkers of every day. And if you're a thinking person, if you're, a, if you're an intellectual, it makes sense for you to turn to Jesus. And what we're seeing in John chapter 3 is one of the greatest intellectuals of the day that can't turn his face away from Jesus. And I think it's noteworthy because it makes sense to follow Jesus. And so... One of the things you're going to see in, in John 3 is this incredibly deep 
theological discussion on salvation. And what you see is there is one of the greatest minds coming face to face with Jesus. And man, Jesus baffled him. Let's stand together and read John 3, 1 through 13 today. And let's, let's encounter this, um, this moment with Jesus. Let's, let's jump into the deep theolo- theological waters of salvation. And let's be ready to think today. Because we're going to have to think today. All right? John 3, 1 through 13. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, 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 you notice this is the moment that Jesus started this massive controversy. And he, he brought up this idea that has been controversial since this moment, this idea that you must be born again. And, and so many people struggle with this. Like Nicodemus, they struggle with the idea of what it means to be born again and the calling to be born again. And, and, and here's just a simple reality. To be born means that there is a time that marks your, your physical entrance into the world, right? When you're born, you, you entered the world. You started breathing air. To be born again is this time which marks the spiritual birth, that, that you, were, you, were, you were born spiritually. And, and we, we see this fleshed out in this relationship with God that we possess, that, that I pray you possess, you know, I, I guarantee you in this room, there's some of you that you haven't been born again. You haven't. The truth is a majority of people in our community, even though we live in Owasso, where there's, in Collinsville, we're from this area, there seems like there's a church on every corner. Truth is, even in our town, just like New York City, the vast majority of the people that we interact with on a daily basis have not been born again. And... 
That's this moment when we were brought to life. And, and when you investigate this, real, this conversation in the life of Jesus, it, it's interesting, and I pray it shapes the way we think and the way we live. Now, now the first thing, as you, and if you have the app, we have detailed notes, and, and most of the time when I preach, my eyes are bigger than my stomach, and so I have way much more information than I can cover, but, but there's details in the notes that you, should, you could look at and you might need to because I don't think I'm going to get to everything, but, but the idea that I want us to see first is that the evidence for following Jesus is overwhelming. Be an influence. Once you know the evidence for following Jesus is is absolutely overwhelming, and it has been from the beginning. You should follow Jesus. We should influence this community to follow Jesus. And and, in whatever spotlight comes our way in our community, it is my prayer that we influence people to look to Jesus, to follow Jesus. Look at verse 1. It's fascinating. It says, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. Notice this, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. Notice the text. Nicodemus was a a ruler of the Jews. That means he was a member of the Sanhedrin, a a group of 70 men, both laymen and clerical men who, who had jurisdiction over all the Jews on the earth. He was a big deal. This was a big dude. And, and, and I want you to recognize his uh, um, address to Jesus. I mean, he comes to Jesus and says, Rabbi, let, let's recognize this is a big dude. This is an important guy. This is the, one of the greatest thinkers of the day. And, and Nicodemus was a teacher of the law. Jesus acknowledges that. He's a teacher of the law. John writes about this. This is a teacher of the law. Now, we know that his story, we have the benefit of seeing the rest of John play out, and we recognize in in John chapter 7, we're going to get there eventually as we track through the book of John, you see Nicodemus continually going, man, Jesus has has got my attention. In John 7, 50 and 52, I'm not going to read it, but you see this intriguing dialogue with Nicodemus and, and his buddies. And, and then you see by John 19, 39 and 40, that Nicodemus is a full-blown follower of Jesus. That's when he comes with Joseph of Arimathea and gets the body of Christ after the, resur- after the crucifixion. And so you, you, we get the benefit of seeing Nicodemus being one of those great thinkers that came to faith. But, but right here in this dialogue, you see the beginning of this conversation. That this moment that, that we, we get a glimpse of, the, of this dialogue of the picture of salvation. And, 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 and Nicodemus, he says, Jesus, nobody can do what you do unless God were with him. Nicodemus is right. This great thinker is setting an example for all honest thinkers. The evidence of Jesus is is remarkable. And when you think about the the evidence of Jesus, it it makes sense. There's a reason for our faith. 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16 says this, In your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. 
Jesus sets the example of what that looks like here. This, this moment of confrontation, this moment of, of, of dialogue, relationship with, with a lost man, a smart man. And, 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 and Nicodemus goes, Jesus, you are compelling. And, and there's a lot of reasons for us to be confident in, the, in, in, in our faith. Let me tell you something. In the midst of even cultural pressure, I'm confident in what, G, what the Bible says. I'm confident in our faith in Jesus. And, and there's several reasons that I'm, <clears throat> I think it's right to join Nicodemus's curiosity about Christ, his, his evidence about Christ. The, the first reason, one of the reasons I believe in Jesus is he fulfilled prophecy. He filled every prophecy. When you look at the, the birth of Jesus, it was a fulfillment of prophecy. They prophesied that a Messiah is going to enter the world. The life of Jesus, that's what's compelling Nicodemus going, man, no one can do what you do unless God were with them. Nicodemus just flat out says this. And the life of Jesus is remarkable. You know, the, the death of Jesus. Oh my goodness, the death of Jesus. What, is, what did Isaiah say 750 years before Jesus entered the world? In Isaiah 53, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Folks, let me tell you something. There have been prophets that have spoken to Jesus, and he fulfilled every one of them. You should believe in Jesus. You should trust him in what he said. His resurrection Oh my goodness, his resurrection. I mean, there's a lot of people that believe in a lot of things, but let me tell you something, there's only one in history who rose from the dead. That's Jesus. That's why he's the only one you should follow. That's why the world needs to know him. That's why even in the midst of cultural pressure that our community is in right now, we say, no, 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 look to Jesus. Look at what he said. You know, here's the thing. The, The life of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the way his spirit is moving, even now, the way his spirit leads us, strengthens us. Let me tell you something, prophecy, it makes sense to follow him. Jesus fulfilled every prophecy. You know another reason why it's interesting to follow Jesus, and I think you ought to, is that, is that his words are remembered all throughout history. That, that's one of the reasons why oh, like his words are remembered. You know what the Bible says, 1 Peter chapter 1, 24 and 25, says this, for all men are like grass, All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. It says God's word is going to stand forever. You know how interesting that, like we're seeing this play out. I saw it play out this week. Monday, we're waiting for our flight back to Tulsa. We had a flight in the evening, and so we thought, let's go to the Met. We went to the Met in New York City. It's a museum of modern art. So we're... I'm trying to follow my wife through. She's all artist and everything. And I'm trying to be, oh, let's look at the paintings. And, and oh, it's so good. It's so pretty. And, and, uh, and, and you know, we're, we're, we're going through this, these, these famous paintings of ancient, or not ancient, but of, of, of historic Europe, European paintings. Do you know what's fascinating? Is these are famous paintings And there's a lot of biblical stories. In fact, we're standing in front of one painting. It was really interesting. It's a beautiful painting. It's famous. Some guy in like 1400 painted it. And it was the story of Salome. That's the daughter of Herod who had John the Baptist head on a platter. 
If you've been reading our Bible reading, we read that today. It's fascinating that even this, the words of Jesus are, are continuous. I, I, I even think about how many people know the words of Jesus. When I was in the ninth grade, I, was, I played for Fred Christian, Mark. He was my basketball coach in the ninth grade. We were terrible. But, but, um, but I'm, I wanted to walk with Jesus. He was my ninth grade basketball coach. After our first game, I went to Coach Christian, and I said, hey, Coach, can I, can I lead the team in prayer? Because most of my team was lost. And he goes, sure, you can lead them in prayer. And so the next game, uh, he goes, Chris, Wall's gonna, Chris is going to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. And I was like, oh, wait, wait. That's not how I pray. We didn't pray with the Lord. I didn't normally pray the Lord's Prayer. I mean, I knew it, but it stumped me. And all of a sudden, my teammates, who most of them were lost, quoted the Lord's Prayer and prayed the whole thing. And then I jumped in. And then after that game, I said, can I just pray? Can I just like pray normal? He's like, yeah. So I, then I led my team in prayer. But you know what's fascinating? You could probably walk through the streets of New York City among a bunch of people that don't know Christ and start the Lord's Prayer. They'd probably join you. Folks, let me tell you something. The Word of God stands forever. And one of the reasons I follow Jesus is because people, even a lost world, still remember his words. Jesus is eternally unique. That's why he's the only one that rose from the dead. Folks, let me tell you something. Nicodemus looked at the life of Jesus and says, you're different. I'm compelled by you. This is still the case. It makes sense to follow Jesus. There's, the evidence for following him is overwhelming. My prayer is that we are an influence, that you are an influence, that you are confident in what God has said, what God has done, what he's doing, what he will do. Nicodemus is right to be intrigued by Jesus. But another thing that Nicodemus comes to understand is that salvation according to Jesus is vastly different than any other religious leader. I want you to be aware of this. Be aware that the message of salvation is unique to history. Here's, here's the thing. Uh, in, in reply, Jesus said, look at verse 3. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Jesus says to Nicodemus. Hey, Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. Now, this was puzzling to Nicodemus. But, but, but let's not miss what Jesus is just dealing here, what he's revealing here for us. It's this really important truth that death is not the end. It's the door to eternal life. Folks, there is a kingdom of God. There is a spiritual reality of life. And so many in the world look to just the physical. You know, I saw, I was in New York City seeing the very best of the physical world, the best the world has to offer. And, and you know what? Very, so many people miss the spiritual. And Nicodemus is coming to grips with this. He says, look, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. And, and Nicodemus is puzzled. He's like, wait a minute, I was born a Jew. I, I'm, I've been, I'm the best of the best. That's who he was. Nicodemus was the teacher of the, of, of the law. He was the, 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 one of the greatest thinkers. And, you know, Jesus says, no, no, you need the spiritual life that's given to you. And, and you'll see in the book of John, 36 times he uses the word life. 
And he speaks about God's life, eternal life, abundant life. And, and, and he's pointing to the fact that the only way to enter God's family is through a new birth. And, 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 first, and like Peter talked about this, 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 3 and 4, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That, that Jesus gives us this new birth. It's a gift. And it's a living hope. And it's through his resurrection. And, and Nicodemus is coming to grips with this. He says in verse 4, look at verse 4. Nicodemus says to him, uh, this new birth thing, how, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in, in his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus unveils this very important truth to Nicodemus that, that we've got to understand, that spiritual birth comes from God, not from the work of any human being. And this was puzzling to Nicodemus. Because he was the religious, of, he was the, the best of the religious. He was in pursuit of keeping the law. He was masterful at keeping the law. And Jesus answered, look at verse 5. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And then he takes a deep dive. And what Jesus does is he, he digs into a, a deep theological discourse with Nicodemus. He says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And then he points to this miraculous work of God, this mysterious um, description of how salvation comes. And, and, and I'll tell you, it's, it's really important to, for us in, in our day to, to recognize that salvation is a work of God that none of us can fully understand or figure out. And if you ever have somebody that says, oh, let me tell you how salvation works, it's mysterious. Nicodemus thought he had it figured out, but Jesus says, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Like I said, to be born marks a, a physical entrance of the to the world. To be born again marks this spiritual birth that is a gift of God. And as Nicodemus wrestles with Jesus here and he wrestles with this idea he comes to recognize that no person can transition from heaven to earth without a spiritual birth. I want you to know you will not transition from heaven to earth without a spiritual birth. Can I challenge you to be receptive? Be receptive to this. Be receptive to what God has said. Look at verse 9. Nicodemus is wrestling with this. He says to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you not? Are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen. And notice this really interesting statement he makes to Nicodemus. 
but you do not receive our testimony. You see this miraculous connection, this mysterious connection between this divine work of God with the important human response. And these are just mysterious tensions that we just have to go, wow. He says, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And then Jesus makes this masterful statement. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus unveils this fact that, look, I've come for you. I've come to save you. I've come to give you this gift of life. And I can see Nicodemus going, okay, wait a minute. I mean, I mean they, are, they are diving into the depths of theology. And I can just imagine Nicodemus's mind, new birth, transformation, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Huh. Ezekiel 36. You know what that says? Verse 25, I put it on the screen. When Ezekiel, this prophet, says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit, and I will put within you And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers, gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people and I will be your God. You know, Jesus is communicating this important truth that Nicodemus, I know that you feel like you have the bloodline. I know that you were born a Jew. I know that you feel like you have somehow earned this salvation on your own, but I want you to know this is something I have to give you. You can't clean yourself from the outside in. I clean you from the inside out. See, you can't obey your way into heaven. I'll give you a transformed heart, and then you're moved to obey me. That's why I don't want you to miss the massive work of salvation. And and I don't want us to overlook this, this incredible theological conversation that is taking place right in front of us. You know, the depth here of God putting a new heart. You need a new heart. You know, when I look at the culture that we're in, 
yeah, we, we're in a morally depraved culture that in all honesty makes no sense. Doesn't make sense biologically, philosophically, or theologically. But yet, you know what my prayer is for our community? Not that we become more moral. I pray that we become born again. You know, there's a reason that at the Mission Center, we don't just give out food. Because if we gave out food without sharing the gospel, what would happen is that people would go to hell with food in their pantry. As I look at the things that our students are navigating tomorrow at school, are there moral issues? Absolutely. But are these the greatest problems? No. The greatest problem is lostness in our world. You see, we can't, I don't want our culture, our society, even our kids to be more moral. Otherwise, they're just going to feel better about themselves as they split hell wide open. And, and my prayer is that the greatest need for everyone in our lives is to be born again. And the depths of salvation, do you know what happens? And in your notes on the, on the app, there's, there's more details here but that I'm going to give you right now as I talk to you. But I just want to describe to you the amazing thing that takes place when somebody is born again. The Bible speaks to this. You, you see in the scripture as it talks about salvation, you see the idea of election. Here's what election means. And election is a gracious act of God where he calls people to be saved. And, and, and that's a trigger word for many people. Because they're like, oh my God, no, man, come on, no way. You're not bringing up election, are you? That's in the Bible. And it's this work of God. And now, let's, now, now, so many times people in the church have used this so um, inappropriately. Because they've used election as a hammer to say, look, I'm in and you're out. And you know that if you understand the context everywhere the term election is mentioned, it's used as an encouragement to a believer that's discouraged, helping them recognize, wow, God, your grace is bigger than I deserve. And the way we are to properly understand election is not as a hammer to somebody that's lost, but as a, just an overwhelming sense of gratitude that he would save a sinner like you and me. And we are to never forget how much we've been forgiven. Golly, I know my tendencies. I know my, I, I, I'm so grateful that God would save me. That's election. It's this gracious act of God before you even thought about it. Then you have effective calling. That, that describes this, this moment the Holy Spirit uses human proclamation for you to hear. The Holy Spirit's at work, and, and, and this is why some of you men need to go on a mission trip to New York, because you'll be part of the human proclamation saying, hey, look to Jesus. 
maybe at a Yankees game, maybe just helping Jordan as he pastors in that area. You know, it's this effective calling that the Holy Spirit is using our human proclamation of the gospel. Then there's regeneration. You know what regeneration is? It's this secret act of God when new birth actually takes place. This is before you utter a word about your salvation. This is before, this is as, I mean, you, 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 I think you can see this play out in, in Nicodemus' heart as, as it goes on. But, but regeneration is this secret act of God of spiritual birth taking place, which then leads to conversion. That's when you actually respond. It actually comes out of your mouth. I need to be saved. You're converted. You're, you're, you're responding to the gospel call. Then, then begins that justification process where, where that's, a, that's an instantaneous act of God when sins are forgiven and you are made completely righteous. This is God made, making you just like you never sinned. We just saw this incredible baptism. That's this, oh, that's this outward expression. Hey, Jesus washed my sins away. That's that justification moment, which then leads to adoption, an instantaneous act of God, whereby God makes us members of his family. God adopts you. And it was news to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, I know you're a Jew, but you need to be adopted into my family. And for him, it was like, then sanctification takes place. That's that progressive work of God producing the fruit of the Spirit in everyday life. As you grow up, as we understand, as we interact with the Spirit of God, as we walk with the Lord, as we learn to trust Him, as we look to Him. And then what God does, He strengthens you, He moves in you, and the perseverance of the saints takes place, which is this completion of a faithful race. Look, we're called to run our race faithfully and we're called to to, to run with endurance and we're called to trust the Lord in the midst of even cultural pressure that comes our way or times of question or doubts. We trust the Lord and we persevere. Why? Because the Holy Spirit moves us, strengthens us, and allows us to finish. And let me tell you something, when God starts a work, he finishes a work. When God saved you, he will... He will keep every promise. You can finish this race well. And it's my prayer as your pastor, as we are a church, as we walk together to finish the race that is marked before us. This is why I look at our times and I'm not scared about our times. This is why I look at the issues that we face and I don't suck my thumb and go hang out in a corner. No, we take our stand against the spiritual battle and we are confident in what Jesus has said. And this is why I'm not going to ever back down. And I pray we're a church that never backs down when it comes to our faith in Jesus. And I'm not scared and we should never be scared as we walk with Jesus. Never. We trust the Lord. We stand on his promises and we take our stand against the devil's schemes with boldness grace and with faithfulness. And then that, after the Lord strengthens us to finish our race, death comes. Death comes. That's the moment that a believer walks through the door of eternity. 
And that's why it's fascinating as we look at our those that have been close to us in the last few months. That's why it's been amazing to watch Wayne Yeckley. And I sat with some of his Sunday school class members this week, and Wayne Yeckley's a member of our church that is facing, he's a patriarch of our church. And he is facing one of the most, the, one of the greatest challenges of his, of his life. But in the midst of the difficulty, he's trusting the Lord and God's empowering him and strengthening him. Why? And because God's given him confidence that even if death comes, man, glorification awaits. Glorification awaits. That's that last step of salvation. That you're glorified and we enter heaven and we await for the new heaven and the new earth and the return of Christ. And and let me tell you something, there's a kingdom of God. Jesus says from the beginning, Nicodemus, there's a kingdom of God. That's why you should trust him. That's why you lean into the moment that guess who brought you here? If you're not born again, guess what? Here you are. And I'm just going to assume, though I can't fully understand the depths of salvation, that if you're in front of me, Jesus is calling. Come to him. Are you born again? Come to him. That's why Jesus looked at Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you must be born again. Receive this message. Can I stand in front of you today and say, receive this message? You know why? You're not okay. You're not okay. We live in a world that's telling us, oh, you're all right. You're not. I'm not. You know why? You're a sinner. I was a sinner in need of a Savior. You see, I've tried to be Lord of my life. I tried to be in control of my life. And, and hey, let me tell you something. We ain't in control. And if you don't believe me, how many of you lost cell coverage this week and it freaked the world out, right? People were losing their mind because they couldn't phone, like call somebody. Thankfully, they survived because text messages went through, right? Look how quickly we recognize our need of something outside of our advancement or technology. And you know what? Jesus calls you to this relationship that's personal, that's real. And he calls his church the bride of Christ. He calls you to a relationship with him that if you'll humble yourself, and he'll turn to Jesus. He'll save you. You know the miracle of salvation, and we can reverse engineer this whole thing all over again. But, but the Bible very clearly says, all who come will be saved. That if you'll come, he'll save you. Come. Come to him. You know, we're going to have an invitation And we have some people that are around the room. In fact, if you're one of our prayer team, I want you to go around the room right now. Because I want you to see them. 
and you can want see what they look like? Because maybe you can, if you don't want to come right now, you can go after the service. Maybe you need to be born again today. You could go to the, one of them and say, look, I, I think God's stirring me. I need to be saved. There's men and women around here. We want you to know you can come to them. Here's what I want to ask you to do, and, I, and I'm gonna, I need you to move today. Um, we need to get on our knees today. I realize it's hard for some to come and kneel at the altar, and that's okay, but some of you can. And I'm going to ask you to come and pray. We're going to pray for our teachers, our principals. Not just in Owasso, but all of our schools. Because you know what? This whole thing that's going on in our community, and if you don't know what's going on, then just come pray anyway. But I'm telling you, this is a challenging time for our administrators, for our students. They're going to go to school tomorrow. You talk about being on the front lines of the spiritual battle, it's our teenagers. This is why I'm so grateful for Amber and Andrew as they are helping our students navigate biblical truth. I'll tell you what, I thank the Lord for our student ministry this week. Because Wednesday night, Andrew was a leader Wednesday night among our students. And I was proud that, that he's on this staff. I'll tell you, we need to pray today for our community. We need to pray for our law enforcement, for this unintended spotlight that's coming. We need to pray for this family that is hurting. But you know, the bottom line is people need to be saved. You need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. And I pray that we are a faithful church that unapologetically stands on the word of God but then ministers to a community that needs Jesus and serves a community that needs Jesus. Nicodemus didn't get saved this day. But I'll tell you what, he kept walking. And he came to Christ. Come to Jesus today. And hey, let's move. And let's pray today. Would you stand where you are? Lord, move us to pray for our students, for our, our teachers. Lord, there's a lot of principles. There's principles in this room today. Lord, move us to pray for them. There's students today. Lord, we need to be on our knees praying for our students today. Father, move us right now. I thank you for Steve Mowry, the way you used him as a leader in our city. Lord, we just bring up our school board, Dr. Coates, the, our police officers. Lord, there's tough things happening. There's, there's things happening today we're trying to wrap our head around. How do we serve and how do we love and how do we stand for truth 
with boldness and grace. Lord, we need you. We need you to help us. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to these days. And I pray that we would not be a church that lives in fear, but power. Lord, you promised to equip us, to give us what we need when we need it. So lead us right now in Jesus' name. Amen.